You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome back again to Locked On Browns. Well, we're going to sit down here tonight. We're going to get a little bit deeper again into the Browns 2021 NFL draft class. Uh, we're going to do it PFF style with good friend John Costco, senior analyst over there. Today's episode of Locked on Browns is brought to you by the fine folks over at Built Bar. Use the promo code LOCKED15 right now to get 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Your host, Jeff Lloyd, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, make sure you, you know, DMs are open. Follow the account, the Locked On Browns Twitter account. Follow back. DMs are o- always open. You know, the best way to communicate with all of you, you know, through, you know, everything, you know, and again, you guys are always here for me. The least I could do is try to be there for you. Uh, whether it is Odyssey or Spotify right now, folks, please listen again on that. Follow either one of those apps. You can uh, fulfill all your Locked On Browns needs over there while iTunes continues to try to rectify said issues. Uh, John, I, I, you know, I don't know if anybody truly understands the process of what Thursday night and then Friday morning and then Friday night and then Saturday morning and then Saturday. And everybody gets to this point about 8, 830 on Saturday night where they are so <laughs> draft punch drunk. You're lucky at that point if you could look at your children, at least get the correct name for each one. Yeah. Um this is a this is basically what my my football season looks like for people that don't know. <laughs> um, when when you go from a, basically from Saturday at noon all the way through Monday night, um, it's just it's a nonstop football uh, experience. You know, from a you know if you're working the draft, then it's kind of the same thing. So it's your it's it's a lot of work and it's draining. It's not just like for fans they can sit back and enjoy it and just watch it, but you know if you're actually doing work on the draft and and grinding through it and you know analyzing these picks and stuff like that there's there's a whole different side to it and so um it can absolutely be draining and you know shout out to the guys that are they're constantly on tv and stuff like that because that's a lot of work i mean that's that is where they have to be on point every single time every for 256 picks or whatever whatever it is you know the it's and for that long amount of time so it's you know shout out to those guys you know, shout out to the this all the staffs and stuff like that and then the people just doing the work it's just it's draining it's really draining it's fun um but i think you know as you get older and certainly that you know the wear and tear and you know, having other responsibilities of you know a wife and children and it's it's kind of like you know uh, I'm sorry, guys. I, I really can't get to know anybody or be a part of anything for the next three days. Please just understand, you know. But you know, the more and more, and the you know, as the years go on, I think you know, people try to understand and accept it. We're going to go through the Browns' top three selections here. We'll get John back in another time. We'll go through day two as well. Um, you know, always a pleasure doing it. And you know, one of the bigger reasons is is you know, with PFF and the way it is, there are certain organizations that you know value embrace analytics. Our Cleveland Browns are certainly one of those. So we're going to go through some picks here. Um, some probably aligned pretty well uh, along with PFF. There's going to be some where maybe not so much, and we'll get to the reasons behind that. That'll probably be more on day three or even round three. We're going to start here. First round selection, Northwestern University, Greg Newsom. Now, I think the most thing just draft-wise alone, John, the impressive thing was here is 
we knew there was a top four tier, essentially, and for PFF, a top five tier with Asante Samuel Jr., which most everybody agreed with. We're not really sure uh, other than size what exactly happened there. Uh, but, John, they played the waiting game. They sat at 26. Maybe it was a, hey, congratulations, Andrew Barry. You had a baby today. We're all, as a league-wide, going to be nice to you. But never had to move. Uh, never had to stray from the course. And, you know, they had eyes on a lot of the, you know, on these top four cornerbacks. They get Greg Newsom. You get a player who's young. You get a player who's athletic. The size matches up. The length matches up. The tape matches up. This it just worked out perfectly for Andrew Barry and just the way it fell into their lap. But you get a young, intelligent, promising young athlete doesn't you know stray or shy away from the big moment. This is huge because if Greedy Williams can maintain his health, you now have four solid cornerbacks on your roster. At least you know you believe the potential to have four. It was just a great selection. And, you know, even if Newsom, you know, and the first thing I, I noticed with him walking into the building is, man, does this kid need an Italian grandmother for a couple of weeks? Um, <laughs> you know, he could probably use, you know, a couple of good LBs on him. But a great selection with Greg Newsom and a guy who really, really rose during the process. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, what's interesting is that he graded well this year for a PFF, an 80-plus grade um, in coverage. Um, he was targeted 34 times and only allowed 12 catches for 93 yards. Uh, didn't allow a touchdown um, and pass a rating of 31.7 this year. He he allowed zero catch or no, he allowed one catch in his final four games of the season. One catch in his final four games. It's, it's kind of insane in terms of when you think about that. And I, I get it. Like the season was for the big 10 was, was shortened and everything, but um, the guy is incredibly sticky in coverage. He can play press man. He can play off man. He can play off zone. Um, he can do that. He can do it all. He's scheme versatile. Um, and he, he's a perfect fit for this defense. He, the fact that he was able to fall to the Browns is incredible. Um, and basically, you know, you're talking about, you know, need meeting value, meeting fit, all that stuff. Uh, and the, you know, Browns were lucky to get him. And I think there was a, a handful of players there that obviously the Browns were, were high on and, and could have gotten, but, this is a this is a great pick because the Browns definitely needed a cornerback. I think if you go into this draft thinking what their biggest need was, it definitely was cornerback. And I know everybody, a lot of people wanted wide receiver, and I, I wanted wide receiver too. But like the first two picks, everybody was typically mocking to the Browns were cornerback and wide receiver, just depending on which order you did it with. Um, and with Greg Newsom, you're getting you're getting an A plus player that I I consider to be a, a top fifteen pick in this draft and. And, you know, I, I looked at, you can, when you watch tape on him, you see, you basically put on one play and you go, dude, this guy can play. Like it, he pops immediately. Mm-hmm. So that's what you like about this guy. And, um, you know, and he's also really young. He's going to grow into that body that he has too, that yes, he, he does need to gain some weight, get some muscle mass on him, but like he, he plays the game extremely well already at, at such a young age. One of the things that stood out uh, for me about Newsom is, is the intelligence of the position. You know, such a key thing about playing the cornerback position, John, is finding a way to get your body in between ball and man without getting penalties. And look, sometimes, you know, I mean, hip to hip or or, or using your length. He's very, very, very intelligent, you know, for his age. And as Andrew Barry said, it's very, very difficult to find a player his age who had his amount of starting experience in college it's rare that that, you know, comes to light the way it did. 
But I think technique-wise, I think he is just so smart. And you know, gambles, but cautious and understanding, I'm not going to get the penalty here. But as far as finding a way to get some part of his body between man and ball and able to break up you know, some things, which obviously showed and translated into the success he had in a limited role on the field last year. Yeah, you're talking about um, he had seven forced incompletions last year, which most people don't look at when they look at a stat sheet for players. And I don't understand why, because that's obviously a very important stat for for uh, for a cornerback. And they only look in interceptions. And yeah, he only had one in his college career, but you know he broke up a bunch of passes. And um, and essentially, you're looking at does he break up passes? And when he when say the quarterback misses on the throw and he's not breaking it up, is he sticky in coverage or is he actually getting beat and getting lucky? And he's a guy that was always on there. And so he's, he's, his technique was really good. He has probably some of the, the, probably the best feet in the draft class in terms of being able to, to seamlessly go out of his back pedal and drive on, on a, you know, underneath route. He can flip his hips like insanely well. He has some of the, the most impressive, you know, plays on tape where he's, you know, receiver running a double route, he's able to flip his hips immediately um, and did not lose any speed. So this is a guy that he, he has, he knows how to use his feet, knows how to use his body to, to defend passes and be in the right position to base, basically be a nuisance of the, for the wide receiver at the catch point um, when the ball is on target and, and also make it so that the wide receiver has to slow down. He can't run a full full speed when he's trying to track the ball. So there's there's just a lot to like with this guy, and the fact that he, you know, in, in year three he took this massive leap for for himself. And you know, yeah, we saw it in only a small sample size. And had he done it for a full season, he would have been, you know, discussed more more nationally with those other top three cornerbacks and that were drafted. And and he really, really, you know, I, I really think that he should have been a top, you know, top tipping fifteen type quality player in this draft so um really good value here and i mean just just really 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 good player and and this is you know one thing here we continue for year in year out to talk about these draft classes and we go ad nauseum look how deep this wide receiver class is look and we go on and on and on you need to find a way to you know circumnavigate the fact that so many wide receivers are coming into the league uh it so to get this, it's paramount. He's got the speed. He's got the athleticism. He's got the size. He's got the length. He's got the intelligence. And again, not a knock on Greedy Williams. Greedy Williams is healthy. Is able to play. It's you know just I mean checker on a checker, strength on the strength, and all of this. Keeping in mind that you still have Denzel Ward on the other side. We're going to continue here uh, with John Costco uh, going through you know top three picks here. We've discussed Greg Newsom. And a big time selection that this was for this team. We're going to let John jump in here real quick because obviously he's got something, sir. So he was targeted 15 times, 10 plus yards down the field. He allowed one catch. One. 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 Uno. We're going to get to a little bit more here with Mr. John Costco, senior analyst from the good folks over at PFF. Hey, Cleveland Browns fans, listen up. Nugenics, the number one selling free free testosterone booster at GNC, is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics, Nugenics, total T, text, draft to 231-231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testofen, which helps boost free testosterone 
and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass. Plus, text now and they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back in shape absolutely free. Text DRAFT to 231-231. Again, that's DRAFT to 231-231. Message and data rates may apply. Nugenics Total Tea is a great way to increase lean muscle and feel stronger with more energy, endurance, and like the ATV ad says, she'll like it too. There's a reason Nugenics has been the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC for years. It works. Baseball season is in full swing. And you can track all the action at Bet Online. This week has tons of sports action on the go as the NFL draft is on. And the Kentucky Derby is back on the first leg of the Triple Crown as it begins this weekend. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get in the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Round two, Browns originally hold selection 59, John. A player's name keeps slowly creeping closer to prouncing status. For the Cleveland Browns. This is a name many people wanted associated with the Cleveland Browns at pick 26. A lot of people wanted to find a way to said, uh, put said player in the first round. Jeremiah Owusu Karamoa starts falling down again now in night two. And again, and again. And at pick 52, the Cleveland Browns trade up, select. I'm not going to do this anymore. They select defender Jeremiah Owusu Karamoa, <laughs> even though he selected jersey number 28. Take that for what it's worth, my friends. But Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa. And, John, we've talked about players like this in years past. There's, And the Browns even had one a couple of years ago if they had used them the way we had suggested in Jabril Peppers. These players that, John, they, they're so athletic. They are really, really smart football players. They excel around the line of scrimmage. They excel covering running backs, tight ends. They can play the slot. They can play safety if you want to. I think everybody's got a cute cliche name of what they want to call these type of defenders, rover, hang defenders, edge, safety, whatever it may be. But you get a player here who is unique. But the first thing I think of with a player like Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa is we've talked for years about how you defense Lamar Jackson. You kind of ditch your traditional linebackers and try to find safeties who can play a little closer to the line of scrimmage and at least you can get closer to matching foot speed with Lamar Jackson. Browns didn't only get one of these. They even got a backup of those. We'll talk about that in another episode. But Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, selection 52. Yeah, so, um, you know, this is a guy that never played linebacker at Notre Dame. He just didn't play it. So um, he played slot corner and safety at overhang rover whatever you want to call it he was a field basically nickel player and whatever you want to call that player that's what he played he was never inside the tackles and never never took on blocks inside and um what he does what he does really good is actually he he sheds 
screen blocks from wide receivers that are much smaller than him really well. Um, that is something that I was that stood out in tape from him. But this is a guy that obviously they they liked and I think that can be um, you know a, a chess piece that they can use to to match with tight ends, backs, maybe bigger slot guys and stuff like that, and just move around as a movable chess piece, right? So um, they obviously liked him. They moved up, you know, seven spots from 59 to 52 to get him. You know, one of the things that, that when what teams do that they, you know, I, I you know, listen to Paul DePodesta when he was talking in his press conference about, you know, JOK was he he talked about how they, they liked this guy and they, they kept seeing how they were falling and, they're never going to talk about other players that they saw that were following as well. And so when they, they said, well, he was in heavy consideration at, at 26. Well, they didn't take him at 26. They're going to say that because it brings excitement and whatnot. And who knows, you know, what other players they were considering at that position, you know, at 26, if Greg Newsom wasn't there, would, would, would they have taken Elijah Moore? Who knows? Right. But we'll never know that. But um, with, with JOK, they probably had a group of players who they probably still had a first round grade on. And as the, that, that group of players dwindled down and maybe JOK was the last person that kind of felt that was left of, of that group. They thought, all right, this is a chance that we can give up not much to get, go get a guy. We have a first round grade on let's go get him. And so they did that. And, you know, this is a guy that will be able to, you know, like I said, be scheme versatile, do some things to help, stop Lamar Jackson, but essentially what it is when you try to stop Lamar Jackson with his running and stuff like that, you have to do it as a full defensive team type thing. You need, you need fast guys that are going to be able to tackle. And that comes in the form of defensive backs that are more, more of those guys out on the field. You're not going to do it with linebackers out on the field. That's why Joe Woods continually talks about dime defenses in his press conferences and his interviews and all that type of stuff. He wants to have six defensive backs out in the field. You're going to see packages where, you know, JOK is going to be out there with five other defensive backs. So um, it's, it's, you know, they're, they're going to have a lot of different things they can do with this defense now because of this player. And, and the, the, I think there's, there's some things that you can't play him on. You can't be a, to me, he's not, he, he has, has struggles with, with you know, I, you know, when you look at tape, there's like plays on the tape where he's supposed to be playing a curl flat, and he's somewhat for some reason in the hook curl. Um, you know, and there's a back leaking out of the backfield who's wide open that he should be on top of, and he's not doing it. So I don't, you know, I, in terms of that Notre Dame scheme, I don't know what's going on um, specifically. If if what he's being coached, you know, maybe he's not the one that's being wrong, but it does look like he's the one that's out of play. So there's some things that there's a reason why he fell. A, he's undersized in terms of people thinking that he's a linebacker. Um, and also he, there are those types of just mental errors that he has on tape. So, uh, but the thing is he's athletic and he's, he can do all the things that you want from a player if you can coach him up to do that. So um, they obviously liked the player and, and got good value from him, they think. John, now there is, you know, look, there are is a little bit of an issue of maybe mistackling. And I think this maybe gets masked a little bit because when you have a reputation of being a big hitter, what gets, you know, you accentuate the positive, sometimes eliminate the negative. Um, With him, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be patience, you know, and make sure you're seeing what you're seeing before you go 100 million miles an hour. Now, as you talked about, sometimes maybe a back leaks out because you get so excited, you think there's an opportunity to make a play somewhere else. 
maybe you forget, you know, part of the responsibility you have. Now, this is where we get into an issue with some of these hybrid defenders. Um, you know, Isaiah Simmons was one last year. It, it took a while before it started to click for him. But also, we've talked about this in the past with you know, bringing these in with 10 other players, 11 other players, 12, 13. So many people, so many players who play predominant roles, it's kind of hard to just take this guy who says, oh, well, he can do a little bit of everything. Yes, but you have to find a way to, you know, make sure that, you know, the other 10, everybody essentially is playing in harmony. Yeah, he missed 10, uh, 10 tackles each of the past two seasons. Um, so there, there is a little bit of an issue there um, with, you know, missing tackles. But um, And you're right, like he, maybe he's getting excited to try to make a play somewhere else. And, you know, he's, he's just forgetting about his specific assignment. So and when you talk about the Browns defense um, and how, you know, what he's going to be able to provide to that, you look at it like you were talking about with Isaiah Simmons. He, he started day one. Um, I believe I'd have to look at that. And he was also obviously the first, you know, top 10 pick or whatever. He, he was trying to learn in, you know, kind of learn the role on the fly. Whereas JOK can come in there and be more of a role player rather than being an everyday starter for the Browns. So this defense, they don't, they don't, they don't need him to start every day because for right off the bat, because they have a lot of good players. Um, so he can be a chess piece that you bring in in specific a, a situation and he can gradually uh, earn more snaps, and um, because there's there's a lot of good talent on this defense, and I, you know, you're, if you're trying to if you're trying to to, to put him on the field in, in place of another veteran guy that's that's going to be able to consistently do his assignment correctly, um, you know, you're gonna you're gonna have some issues on, on the back end. So yeah, he's he's gonna grow into that role. He's not gonna start day one um, unless he blows the, the doors off of everybody, and you know, and just kind of like becomes a stud safety Troy Polamalu type guy, but I don't I don't see that right right off from day one. He's gonna he's gotta earn that role to become that. Uh and it puts Joe was in a you know just a fantastic you know situation. And I was actually sitting down earlier today and trying to, you know, whittle away maybe twenty five players on this defense. And uh you want to have yourself a fun exercise, folks. Try to right now find the twenty five defensive players. Because normally when you do this you do a twenty five offense, twenty five defense figure three special teamers try to nickel away and chisel away to get to 25 players on this Browns defense right now, because it is not by any means folks, an easy experiment to do. We're going to get That's a little a good bit more thing. John here. Absolutely. absolutely. This is what this job, this is what other teams go through. Not okay. Well, these 77 sucked all summer. So we're going to get rid of them and hopefully we can rebuild during Labor Day weekend. <laughs> But we're going to get to a little bit more with John here, folks, in just one second. The Improved Bill Bar is even deliciouser. 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. Currently six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and they are easy to chew. Bill Bar is great for the health-conscious guy or gal. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. They are great for the keto diet. The flavor profile for your Cherry Barcia bar, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams net carbs. Go to BillBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, the promo code LOCKED15. For 15% off at BuiltBar.com. 
Now, John, these first two selections, extremely high on the PFF. I believe it was 19 and 20. Um, and again, the Browns, a lot a lot of times, things come up unison as far as PFF. I'm not saying they're taking it verbatim, but, you know, look, analytic people usually enjoy analytics. Pick selection number 91. There was this dummy who hosts the Browns podcast who predicted not only he was going to be a member of the Cleveland Browns and also predicted he would be selection number 91. Anthony Schwartz, wide receiver out of Auburn University. First things first, John. You know, everybody, oh, well, you know, he's not there yet. He needs some work. He needs some refinement. But, John, as we've talked about, and I remember we spoke about it, you know, with the Kansas City Chiefs playoff game, John, the former wide receiver in me, the former defensive back in you, 427 is 427. If you catch it one out of three times, it still works. If you run the route one out of three times, sometimes you're forgiven. There is just something about world class speed. And if you put Schwartz on the field and say it's Beckham, Donovan Peoples Jones, David Najoku, and Nick Chubb, crazy as it seems, there's going to be secondaries going. Where is the guy who runs the 427? So if you're diverting any attention away from an Odell Beckham Jr., another great athlete in Donovan Peoples-Jones, another great athlete in David Njoku, and a just absolute beast of a running back in Nick Chubb, it should make life a lot easier for this offense. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that uh, we weren't high on because if you look at – if you watch his tape, like it's, it's he has one thing. And that's blinding speed. If, if you're not high on him, listen to me. I understand you guys not being on high on him, but I cannot wait till Nick's goes oh. through a draft cycle because I can only imagine what BFF's going to do to him. You have to have you have to have a, a, a an ultra specific role for this guy, and you can have that. And so it's just it's just not like a he's, he's not done, he a, does the tricky shit you're looking for the jet right motion, the jet sweeps right. the reverses he's, he does that stuff exactly. So he he can do all the things that like that this offense needs, which you take the top off the defense and you do the, the, the gadget stuff underneath. You can do that screens, whatever it is that you want from this guy. That's, that's much you want him If he can develop into a full route tree and stuff like that, I mean, that's insane. Right. But he doesn't have that, but that's, that's what, that's why, you know, you look at a guy like this that doesn't have the production in college, doesn't have the, the varied route tree that in college and stuff like that, it comes from an, an Auburn system that really doesn't, doesn't develop that at all. Um, so it's tough to, to project that type of stuff as opposed to seeing guys being able to run a varied route tree and, and being more productive in a, a traditional NFL role. So when we look at something like that, like there's, there is a role for this guy in the NFL. Um, but you know, the, the, the Browns can develop him and in, in, into a full, a full wide receiver uh, kind of like how the, the Kansas City Chiefs were able to do with, with Tyree Kill. You remember Tyree Kill was a gadget player his rookie year, and he developed into the guy we know he is today. Um, so this guy, I'm not saying he's Tyree Kill, but he has like Tyree Kill speed. It, absolutely, he's probably faster in, in, the, in a 100-meter dash when you talk about a 10.05 or whatever it was, 100-meter dash. So this is a guy that, yeah, if I was a safety and I saw him lined up on my side of the field and – I, I'm I'm taking a, a few extra steps back to make sure that I can. Uh, uh, just You're look. faking a hamstring injury and calling timeout, John. Who I, I, 
I'm I'm taking a few <laughs> extra steps back to make sure that I'm not. It doesn't look like I'm burned as bad as as I would have been had I been a few more steps up. <laughs> that's that's basically what it is. <laughs> I'm getting burned regardless. Greg Williams. All of a sudden, Greg yeah. Williams playing the angel <laughs> position sounds like a fantastic idea. Call it call it audible from my safe positions. This play, you know, Lake, Lake Erie or something like that. So, <laughs> but yeah, this is a well, and, and this is. Well, I'm just going to say that what you're hoping for, and you use the Chiefs as a specific here is, what you're hoping is maybe you have McCole Hardman. With a little time, maybe you can yeah. graduate a little bit closer to Tyree Kill. But this does a tremendous amount of assistance for Baker Mayfield. We talked about how we felt they were choked in the passing game, trapped in the passing game, where they were almost playing an arena type of box. They didn't have – they had to scheme open, deep plays. Anthony Schwartz, even if you just say every time, kid, run the nine route, it's going to hopefully open up for these tight ends where we the return wasn't essentially there last year as much as they invested into it. Odell's coming off the ACL injury. If there's a way to take a little bit of pressure off of him, uh, you know, whether it's Jarvis, whether it's Rashard Higgins, you know, so similar doing their thing. But this just brings something, and he has a calling card that nobody in this wide receiver room does. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's the thing. He he brings to the table an element that this offense just did not have. It. Now, if you want to talk about roster building and stuff like that, like having this element is is fantastic to have. It's it's a you know it's a cherry on top of your of your roster and stuff like that, right? Had you know if you're if you're talking in an ideal world, are the Browns getting a guy like a Rashad Bateman or Elijah Moore? Or something like that, adding to them. Yeah, absolutely, because he's a he's a they're they're looking for a more well-rounded wide receiver that can do more things that you can or whatever. But this is an element that those guys do not bring to the table. So you know you could you could argue whatever it is that you want, but this is a guy that's going to be able to take the top off of defense. He's going to open up the underneath part of the defense. It's going to allow guys to to just get more open. You look at what the Chiefs are able to do. You know, Michael Hardman and and Demarcus Robinson are, are running deep routes all all over, and then even Tyreek Hill, who who has that blinding speed and, and could do that, but he gets open underneath and stuff like that because he's he ha- like they have to they have to honor his deep speed, but then they're 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 because of that it opens it up underneath. And Tyreek, you got, obviously you got Travis Kelsey that's getting open underneath, and they're just it's just a whole package. You have varied you know t- types of talents on that on that uh, offense that helps a Patrick Mahomes just to, to be able to throw it short, medium, interme- or intermediate, and deep and stuff like that. And it's going to allow Baker Mayfield to be able to do the same thing. OBJ is no longer going to have all this attention brought over to him because the, on the other side of the field, if that guy is running deep down the field on a, on a deep post because he's wide open, teams are going to have to honor that type of stuff because that is what breaks the backs of defenses more so than a guy getting a 15-yard out. So – OBJ, it's going to help everybody on this offense, especially Baker Mayfield, to be able to find open guys. It's just the receivers are going to look more open because it's just not going to be so congested as these safeties are playing. They're going to be playing at at 20 yards as opposed to 15 yards. There's a big difference when it comes to that for those guys. So it's just going to help this this offense entirely. It's not like he's going to be a full-time starter for this Browns offense, but he's going to be out there for 15, 20 plays a game. And when that guy is out there, people will notice. 
And it's just, it, it, there's just such a, you know, a threat and a calling card of 4-2. Um, and look, you know, for Cincinnati, it never worked out with John Ross the way they thought it did. Uh, you know, for the Giants, we'll see. I mean, another. There's a difference between taking a John Ross who didn't work out at, at pick number nine and Anthony Schwartz, who is kind of like a J.J. Nelson at pick 91. There's a huge difference, you know, because you're not expecting this is a guy that you, John Ross, you're, and also like a Corey McCollman who was picked in the first round with the Browns. Of course. A guy that there's also had some pretty blinding speed, but there's a lot of times that the, Henry Ruggs last year, you know, he was largely kind of a disappointment, had injuries and stuff like that. But he's expecting to come in there day one and start. When you get a guy in the third round, you can just have a small subset of pack you know, plays for this guy and just be like, okay, you're going to, you're going to be out there 10, 15, 20 plays in a game and that's all you're going to have to do. We don't. We're not expecting much from you. So there's not this massive attention. But when you're out on the field, and the fact that you already have an OBJ, you have a Jarvis Landry, you have a David Njoku, you have an Austin Hooper, you got a Nick Chubb, you got a Kareem Hunt. Like it just brings another element. Uh, right on and on and on and on. It just brings another <laughs> element that teams have to honor. You know, like last year when, especially when OBJ went out, teams didn't really have to honor anything deep. You know, there was the one play that everybody remembers. Donovan Peoples-Jones getting open on a double move off of play action. But really, after OBJ went out, there weren't many open, deep plays on the, in this offense just because it just wasn't there. Um, and, you know, we remember the, the week two, you know, play action boot that OBJ got open on against, you know, William Jackson for a touchdown. But really, like, you, you get this type of uh, player, it just opens things up. And, you know, everybody remembers in New York – how OBJ would take slants and take him to the house. He did that his first year with the Browns against the Jets, where the the reason why that type of stuff happens is because you have other players on that field that can open things up to spread the defense out. So when you catch that ball, you're not so congested. So there's just not other defenders right there. So this, having speed like that and just having better weapons and doesn't really, it doesn't even have to be the superstar, you know, speed type of guy, but it's just, having that speed obviously helps a lot because you look at the Kansas City game, it kind of was the difference in the game. And the other thing is, look, this opens up everything for Kevin Stefanski as a play caller. It opens up so much more for Baker Mayfield. The pressure is not there to have to be perfect in a box. Like they were asking Baker Mayfield, hit singles, hit doubles. Does, does anyone remember it, how, how the opportunity to go yard? It was so – he had so many tight throws in that Kansas City game. Like, every throw was just into contested con- windows, and he was having to put them on pinpoint targets. And the only time he had a guy wide open, Rashad Higgins fumbled in on the goal line. It, it's just, it just helps to have that type of speed, guys that can separate. Rather, I mean, is he a, a great route runner just that can get separation via his route running? No. No, he can't. Not right now, at least. But does but, he have to be? No, he doesn't. <laughs> no, he doesn't. And you're not also right. expecting him to to be your number one guy. There's a, that's a huge thing of too. So he'll never. He, he may never be another a number one or two, and that's you're, totally fine. You're hoping he's like you're going to be a really high quality number three. That's what you're. That's basically kind of his ceiling in terms of what it is right now. And if he comes more than that, then fantastic, right? But the thing is, there's a reason why he dra- was drafted in the third round. And that's because that's because he doesn't have anything beyond that blinding speed right now. He could if he can develop it, then it's you know obviously it becomes dangerous like a Tyreek Hill who becomes a number one. But it, there's yeah there, this offense is helped tremendously because of because of that speed and what they have in OBJ and Jarvis Landry and yada yada yada. 
It just it's the funniest thing. He becomes basically the smallest wide receiver in the room, the lightest wide receiver in the room. But he, he essentially he is your big bat. He's Mike Trout because it, it, there could be weeks where it's one for fifteen, two for forty-two, but there could be that week where it's two for ninety-seven, or the fact that you know. And keep in mind, he had oh, almost four hundred yards rushing at Auburn in his time there. So, I mean, there's the legitimacy and there is the threat of, you know, reverse and the counteraction, the jet sweeps. Would you rather him at three-tenths of a second faster running jet sweeps over Jarvis Landry? It just it just opens up things so much more. It's, 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 it's a perfect gift to hopefully graduate this to the next level. We're getting a little tight on time here, John, but – Thoughts on the draft overall. Let's not give away any more Browns because we got another one coming around here very soon. Thoughts on the draft overall. One for me that stood out was the Jets. I, I, I liked the principle of what they did, getting their quarterback, getting another offensive lineman in the fold, getting another wide receiver in the fold. But some draft thoughts on general, just something that stood out to you, maybe the way the quarterback shook out. Uh, you know, Justin Fields, I love the opportunity for him, but I feel bad that he's going to get dragged down by a regime that's praying that he's going to save their lives as opposed to maybe doing what is truly best for the quarterback in that situation. But a couple of thoughts here as we start to put a ball on this, bud. Yeah. So, I, you know, you, you, everybody's, everybody knew Trevor Lawrence, number one, Zach Wilson, number two. And the big question was what was going to happen at number three for, for the San Francisco 49ers. And nobody knew, not a single person knew on the face of this planet, until believe it Kyle, or not, some of us off the grid knew. Some of us off the grid knew. Uh, but that's so you, we'll you think you, you you think you knew, but I'm telling you, Kyle told no one. <laughs> Kyle told no one. But people people will say they. Kyle had, may have let it leak at the North Dakota State last pro day, but I will let that go. That's a story okay. for off air. But okay, well, well, you'll have to tell me that off air. But um, we Kyle, will. yeah. So Kyle, you know, basically kept it close to the chest and, and no, not a lot of people in that, that staff room didn't know who it was going to be. So it kept ended up being Trey Lance. He goes that, you know, when it comes to talking about going to a good situation, Trey Lance goes to a good situation there. He doesn't have to play day one. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be able to, to start and this year and, and try to hold him off for and disappoint like a, 49ers fans for a couple of weeks. <laughs> it's going to be, it's, it's going to be, you know, you hope in it for that, like their fans are hoping it's going to be a, uh, an Alex Smith to giving it the the reins to a uh, Patrick Holmes type situation, but the problem is that Jimmy Garoppolo is not Alex Smith, and Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be like, no, this is my starting job. I'm gonna, I'm not going to help this guy. Um, whereas to Alex Smith, kind of understood, it's like, listen, this is this is going to be his show, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, do everything I can to mentor the guy. When he talked to Justin Fields, dropping to eleven, um, you know, he goes to a really good team. There's a that team is really good, so. When you talk about landing spots for quarterbacks, it really kind of matters for literally. It matters for a lot for players in terms of where they land and stuff, and how they're perceived and what what how good they become. Justin Fields goes to a situation where he is on a really good team, so his his you know he might be perceived as uh, he just might be a, a in a situation that helps him be the best version of himself, um, and in an offense that you know that's a good offense for him. 
Now, whether or not this regime does a good job of building around him and supporting him and stuff like that, that's a different story. Um, but obviously, Mac Jones then goes into the absolute perfect situation in terms of, I'd say, the best situation for any of these quarterbacks. And when it comes to, like, who who has the best career of all these guys, it might be Mac Jones, even the fifth pick, pick you know, fifth quarterback picked in this draft because he's being coached by Bill Belichick and jo- Josh McDaniels and, and into a system that we know can be extremely good. And if he can run that offense like a Tom Brady could, and I'm not saying he's Tom Brady, but like Tom Brady just essentially ran that offense extremely efficiently. There was nothing really special in terms of the talent that Brady has. He has good accuracy. He has good arm strength. He has no mobility. He has good pocket awareness. That's kind of what Mac Jones is, right? So um, if he can do that, you know, he can have a good career in the NFL. Now, whether or not he can take it to that next level, that's, you know, wait, you know, what we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see. But I think, you know, for the quarterbacks, they ended up in situations that are kind of ideal for them and, and, and everybody's got their own flavor and stuff. So um, these guys might have a good shot of succeeding. It's obviously this, you know, this monumental class of five quarterbacks going to the top 15. It's going to be something that's going to you know, be, be talked about. For years, we'll see the way it shakes out. And a lot of it comes down to patience, you know, from front offices and head coaches. And, of course, you know, change and all that type of stuff. He is John Costco, senior analyst from PFF. Uh, Fantastic job here. We're going to get here in the next couple of days. We're going to do day three for you guys as well, uh, you know, from the Browns perspective. Make sure you're following John at uh, jcosco3. John Costco3, show itself at Lockdown Browns, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, iTunes, Spotify, Odyssey, make sure you are following over there. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.